Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Gentle Giant's self-titled debut album. If you've never listened to our show, we would like to educate and hopefully inspire you to uncover and learn about progressive rock by listening and talking about albums that you may have never heard of or want to learn more about. We both have a big passion for progressive rock and we love to share it with others. Thank you for all of our listeners for tuning back in. Please subscribe to our podcast. You can always be notified when we launch a new episode. So, uh, so Gentle Giant was released November 27th, 1970. It's a pretty short album. It's only 37 minutes across seven songs. And uh, the members that are on this record include Gary Green on lead guitar, and I believe he also plays 12-string guitar. Carrie Minier. I think that's how you pronounce that. Did you hear anything different from that, Drew? No, but I read it Carrie as Minier. Minier, Minier, Carrie Minier. Um, he plays keyboard, some bass, cello, lead vocals, backing vocals, and some tuned percussion. We got Derek Shulman on lead vocals, backing vocals, and some bass. We have Phil Schumann, sax, trumpet, recorder, lead vocals, backing vocals. Ray Shulman. Most bass, violin, some guitar, percussion, backing vocals, and then Martin Smith on drums. So, <laughs> so we got a lot of uh, multifaceted musicians here, multi multi instrumentalists mm-hmm. on this uh, in this band, really. But mm-hmm. uh, but Drew, I think we should uh, talk about the uh, the story of this band, um, how how they all kind of came together, because we have three brothers that are involved being the Shulman brothers, Derek, Phil, and Ray, which were kind of the uh, the core of Gentle Giant. You know what I mean? Yeah, Phil was um, the oldest, Derek was the middle, and then Ray was the youngest. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I think Phil, I know, I think Phil was the oldest. I was, I was under the impression that Derek was the youngest, but I may be wrong. I thought he was um, the middle. You're probably right. I don't know, but... Um, but before I get into the story, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, just what the public took this album or how, how, the, how the public took this album? Uh, I would, but you know, this is one of those bands that I think a lot of heavy prog rockers will know. Uh, a lot of the bands we've covered on here uh, have had some popularity in the mainstream, right? I mean, most of these, like you you've probably heard of or your uncle has heard of um you know rush is fairly popular pink floyd fairly popular yes fairly popular even emerson lake and palmer like right. still somewhat they had their know, hits popular. they had their hits exactly uh this one it's difficult to find any i don't think they chart let's put it this way i don't think they charted with this record um, right. at least in the US or even the UK I don't think now any fans listening can totally correct me uh, but uh, I, I don't think so and uh, the majority of reviews I read were from people online from a like 21st century perspective on this right so from the time it was released I don't really know Uh Granted, I didn't dig as deep research-wise as maybe I could have trying to find records um, of their reviews from back then. Yeah, um, but it was it was it was difficult to. A lot of the stuff that I read was stuff that was, like I said, modern reviews on this, like what people and prog rockers nowadays thought about it and everything, um, and music historians from nowadays. 
um, having a lot more perspective, right? Because they've seen a lot more stuff um, and comparing yeah. it to that. But um, uh, what I did read, I'll share what I did read, is that some people were saying that this was kind of a King Crimson knockoff in a way because hmm. in The Court of the Crimson, King had come out only a year before this. Right, it came out sometime in October, not too long ago, actually. This is, by the way, people, this couple couple weeks ago, I think it was the 50th anniversary of In the Court of the Crimson King's release. Yeah, I remember uh, you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this was a, shortly after that. This was a year later that this came out. And uh, there are some similarities. Uh, Dustin, I'm sure you'll mention later on, even one of the songs on here, you were like, this really reminds me of a track off of In the Court of the Crimson King. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of people were like, you're just kind of doing what they're doing. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll read a couple things that, that I read from some reviewers. Um, one of them said, uh, if there's any deterrent, it's that this album is like all Gentle Giant albums an acquired taste. That's an important phrase. Um, mm. It is a good bet that the only song that will stand out to a first-time listener is Why Not, due to its slightly more commercial nature. However, given a few listens, and I highlighted this next part, the album will eventually be played frequently by anyone who claims enjoyment for the progressive rock genre. And I cannot agree more. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't agree more. When I first heard this album, yeah. personally, I was like, okay, I don't dislike it, but nothing really sticks out. And... It, except one or two songs, but I heard it more and more. And I was like, yeah, because I like prog rock. I'm, I'm beginning to see more of what they were doing. And for the time it was, um, it, it, it was still pushing the boundaries. Um, I can understand why some people might think, uh, that they're kind of like King Crimson esque in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I can certainly see that, but I can also hear mm -hmm. a little bit more of, their uniqueness in it i see it, a little more medieval sound in yes uh, yeah I, I would definitely play on that fantastical thing a bit more yeah i don't think that's i don't think that's a very king crimson thing um no. i think that's what makes gentle giant unique to to them is that they they had a little you're right it, it was kind of a, a gothic sort of uh medieval kind of thing um and and that i'm coming that from a musical perspective i don't know about a lyrical perspective um if you have any more insight on that part well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, it, it, I mean, crud, giant, some of it is just kind of describing a giant and making it seem like this huge mythical force. And they do the same thing with Alucard in the way that, you know, that seems, I mean, we'll get to this later. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, they're talking about a mythical monster and trying to kind of create, uh, to me, it seemed like they were trying to create this kind of illusion of this feeling of suspense about this you know, undead monster. Um, and you know, those are all old, old mythical legends that at the very least the setting of those monsters and modern day pop culture references right. is way back when is like way, way back when. Um, so, you know, giants, whenever I think of a giant, I think of Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know why, but you know, back that's back in like a fantastical setting, a medieval setting and all that stuff. And yeah. Anyways. Um, so yeah, they play on that a bit more than uh, King Crimson does, I think for sure. Yeah. And uh, but but uh, you know, uh, I, I was also reading another reviewer, Destin, and I, right before the show. I was talking to you about him. Um, 
this guy is pretty visceral in his reviews in general. Uh, his, I thought it was a very interesting notion though. His conclusion was Gentle Giant is a fantastic second rate prog band. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, the guy was saying in there that, you know, they, they don't stack up compared to the other popular prog bands. Right. At the time. Um, uh, of the time. Yeah. Like you said, but, uh, but for what they were, which he classifies as second, right? Not really quite up to par for that. They were really good. Um, but you know, I, I, I saw another review somewhere online, some forum, people talking about prog rock and there was, you know, lots of people saying on there, I think this is a very underrated band. Um, and, uh, I, I can see why they say that. Cause there's a lot of talent with this group. Um, I mean, you can just hear that on the record and especially like crud with what you just said. I mean, how many different instruments does just one person in this band play, let alone all of them? Like every single one of them plays like more than three. Yo, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I have a note in Almost here somewhere that I wrote down and this, this is actually just, this is just ridiculous. Hold on. I think there was, I don't think it was this album. Um, I don't think that was this album. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know what album it was, but they said 46 instruments were contributed to five members on one of their albums. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's an absurd amount. That's just ridiculous. That's an absurd uh, amount. But but it shows like I mean they're they're uh they are they're very good musicians. Um and uh, oh, yeah. and, and they can play a lot of different things, which I think is something that uh well, A, I, I didn't expect that. That kind of hit me out of nowhere. Um, I was like, oh, wait, these are brothers. Oh, wait, they're all multi-instrumentalists. Like th those were two things that I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I wouldn't think that um, just by listening to the music that it, were, that it was all the same guys. Um, yeah. When I think of brothers in a band, I think of Jonas Brothers, obviously. Obviously. Um, obviously. The king of pop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or hey, hey, going further back, the Jackson 5. Right. Um, but, you know, and those those were all very popular groups but th this was a group that wanted to do something different uh and yeah it's it's really I, th I think that's neat i think it's cool that they were all brothers i'm sure that that led to a lot of tension in the band there's already tension whenever anyone plays in a band um there's just bound to be no matter which group you're in because <laughs> there's a lot of creative talented people and that means a lot of different ideas and a lot of preferences <laughs> um yeah but uh i'm, I'm sure that was probably it was probably amplified with the fact that they were brothers too. Yeah, you know, it might be brothers yeah. fight, right? You know, but uh, I mean, because I, I actually read that when looking into their history. Because later on in their history, and Destin, I'll let you get to that in a second because that's more your area. But I thought it was interesting later on. Uh, I forget which member it was. It might have been Gary Green. Uh, talking about Phil Schumann leaves later on. Uh, yeah, and he was the oldest brother, and the guy was talking about how. Yeah, I mean, they would they would fight a lot, like as like a lot. And they were brothers. Uh, and there he, you know, he was like, you know, I, sometimes you thought they were going to like wrestle each other or like punch each other. And it's like, I, maybe that's just what brothers do, but yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but, in this uh, yeah. But, but, uh, but no, I thought it was very interesting that uh, a group of brothers could come together and they're all incredibly talented, all of them. Uh, and they they really wanted to push the envelope as far as what popular music uh, could do, and so they kind of veered into the the prog rock genre. Uh, yeah. But sorry, 
I didn't mean to take up too much. No, no, time. that was good. I, I apologize for not having more like it reached to this number in the charts. I I don't think it did. Well, it from does. What I found. Yeah. Well, what it does is that it's. I mean, talking about the, just the unpopularity, you know, and and why the unpopularity. Right. Um, right. And, uh, yeah. And just kind of summarize that up, uh, and adding on what you were saying. I mean, I just think, I think, and this is just me, a personal opinion about why I would, I would believe this, but, um, I don't, and just from the brief research that I've had, but just the progressive rock genre is a, a pretty unforgiving one. And so it's, yeah. it's not hard to imagine. It's not hard to imagine, you know, a band like this getting swept away under, um, you know, King Crimson or yes, um, right. It's a pretty quirky style of music, but it also, but yeah. they also have a pretty loyal following. Um, oh, yeah. and, and some casual listeners that are much harder to please, but that's probably why gentle or where gentle giant lost a lot of their popularity is with just the ground already being covered by established acts. Yeah. Um, um just to add on to that, like you said, yeah. it's, it's very unforgiving because we talked about this in previous episodes and it'll, it'll come back to play in here as well with the fact that it, it, progressive rock even back then was seen as very pompous yep. right or overblown yep. or showboaty or whatever right. um and I, i'm seeing right here I, you know i'm reading something from ray shulman who i believe is the youngest like i said uh brother and he said uh you know when when they were called experimental or progressive or complex or whatever he said we can't really escape from it that was the era that was called progressive music. And the weird thing is, in any other field apart from music, progressive is a very positive term. But for some reason, I think in certain quarters, progressive was seen as too pompous and overblown, and it should be blown away and all that kind of stuff. But it was the music of its time. And really, music has developed ever since psychedelia in the late 60s. Uh, people just wanted to more and more push the boundaries of what they call popular music. And starting from the early 70s, we were on that wave. Hmm. Is that a quote? So that's a quote. Yes, that's, that's a quote. Wow, that's cool. From Ray Shulman, that you know, again, we I, we specifically talked about that. I think in the Jethro Tull one, and yeah. I think maybe even the Yes episode, and we touched on that a little bit when we were interviewing Isles on our it, yeah our fourteenth yeah. episode. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that's a topic that that we've you know always gone to, but uh, it, it's really interesting. You know, we get these you know emails from people and whenever whenever we get an email from from someone most of the time it's not just like hey cool show that's it it's it's well thought out right yeah, which it's, i really appreciate me, kind of i really appreciate that too thank you by the way to our fans you're amazing but that i think kind of reinforces this concept that uh of like loyal following right in the sense that they're gonna take their time that they really show that they appreciate the music and everything, the people who like our show, who have at least expressed that to us, take the time to really, you know, thoughtfully write out, Hey, here's why I like your show. Here are some suggestions, you yeah. know, and, and yeah. all of that. They really are passionate about the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, not that other genres don't have that. Not at all. Um, we just appreciate it. But, uh, but yeah, we, we just appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it kind of reinforces the whole like loyalty to, the the genre the subgenre yeah, all that absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. thanks you guys. Just wanted to give that little yeah, <laughs> little plug, little plug of the fan appreciation there. So uh, yeah, I'm not promoting anything, so it's not a plug. But whatever. Yeah. Gosh. Whoa. Yeah. Let's 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 talk about. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the story. 
um, of of the <laughs> band because I I find this story to be uh, fascinating and interesting. I really do. Like when I was reading like how they became together and and where they came from and what happened to how they became Gentle Giant is a really interesting story. So I thought I'd tell it. I wrote down just a, um, I kind of wrote it out in just a uh, a paraphrased, you know, my my paraphrased version of it. But I thought I'd just read this if you're okay All right. with that. Strap in, everyone. Get your popcorn out. Get your soda. Dustin's going to tell <coughs> you the story <clears throat> of Gentle Giant. Okay. The co- <laughs> so the core... The core what become or what was to become Gentle Giant comprised of the three brothers that we've been talking about, right? We have Phil Schumann, Derek Schulman, and Ray Schulman. Uh, the brothers were of Scottish Jewish descent, uh, which I find to be cool. Um, but Phil and Derek were born in Glasgow, Scotland, in the Gorbals or Gorbals or, or whatever it is, which was then a notorious slum. Uh, the family moved to Portsmouth, England, where Ray was born. Their father was an army musician turned jazz trumpeter. He encouraged his sons to learn various instruments, and Phil, Derek, and Ray all became the multi-instrumentalists that they are. Uh, During the early 1960s, Derek and Ray became interested in playing rhythm and blues and formed a band together. Phil originally acting as the manager figure in order to look after his much younger brothers, eventually became a band member himself. Aw. That's where everybody's supposed to go. Aw. Aw. Uh, <laughs> so I have a I have a quote from Ray on their musical upbringing. He says, "quote We grew up in a house full of musicians and and instruments. I started learning trumpet when I was about five, just because it was there, and then took up violin when I was seven. We were made to practice for an hour a day at least when we really wanted to go out and play. I suppose it was a good thing we were really, and eventually I wanted to do it anyway. I wasn't formally taught at all." So that's cool. I, I love being wow. like the, the whole, the big musical family. The dads, you know, played jazz trumpet in the army. They were forced to practice and then they just kind of developed their own, um, their own love for it as they got older. Um, so I thought that was, I think that's a pretty cool, uh, just way to get raised in the, and, and a way to get raised in their family and everything. Um, and right. so, so coming on into the, where the band and, and when they started developing their band, uh, by 1966, the Showman's Band had taken the name of Simon Dupree and the Big Sound and was pursuing more of a soul pop direction. Um, as lead singer and frontman, Derek Shulman took the Simon Dupree pseudonym while Phil played saxophone and trumpet, and the youngest brother, Ray, you're correct, Ray, played guitar and violin. So both Ray and Phil also played trumpet and sang backing vocals for the group as well. So they signed to an EMI record label, Simon Dupree and the Big Sound produced several non-charting singles before being pushed by their management and label in the direction of Psychedelia. Uh, This resulted in the UK top 10 hit, Kites, in the autumn of 1967. So they had a song that charted in the top 10 called Kites in 1967 under a band name called Simon Dupree and the Big Sound. I thought that was really cool. Um, So moving further after Kites, though, Success really only served to frustrate the Showman Brothers because they considered themselves to be the blue-eyed soul singers, and they were feeling that their change of style was insincere. So Derek later described Kites as utter crap, and the Showman's opinion was confirmed in their eyes by the success of failure of the follow-up singles to Kites. 
So they attempted to escape their new image by releasing a um, synonymous double A-side single in late 1968 as The Moles, which was called We Are The Moles, part one and two. Um, And a funny little anecdote to this, this compounded their identity crisis as the single was subsequently caught up in a rumor that The Moles were in fact the Beatles recording under a different name and with Ringo Starr as the lead singer. <laughs> Whoa. And the person, and it was funny, the rumor was actually de- uh, was debunked by Sid Barrett. Uh, he was the person who was kind of like, <laughs> uh, no, guys, these are just Simon Dupree and the Big Sound under a different band name. Um, Sid Barrett right. being from Pink Floyd. Nobody, if, if you don't know that. Um, in 1969, the Showman Brothers finally dissolved the group in order to escape the pop music environment that was frustrating them. Surprisingly, they did not return directly to rhythm or blues or soul, but chose to pursue a more complicated direction. Ray Shulman later stated, quote, We knew we couldn't continue with the musicians we had before. We weren't interested in other musicians in the band. They couldn't contribute anything. We had to teach them what to do. It got rather heavy when we could play drummers better than the drummer. And even on the record, we were doing more of it with overdubs it got stupid having a band like that the first thing was to get some musicians of a higher standard um so there's your ego (laughs) or or just or just his confidence as a musician um he you know they were better than the people they were playing with you know right uh so so gentle giant was formed in 1969 when the shulman brothers teamed up with two other multi-instrumentalists being gary green and uh carrie manier plus the drummer Martin Smith, who had previously drummed for Simon Dupree and the Big Sound. So they took the same drummer, got two different guys. Um, Meneer was classically trained and had recent, recently graduated from the Royal College of Music with a degree in composition. Green was essentially a blues player, never had worked with a band above a semi-professional level, and with the Shulman Brothers, meanwhile, settled into their typical multi-instrumental roles of their own, Derek on saxophone and recorder, Ray on bass, violin, and Phil on saxophone, trumpet, and clarinet with all three brothers playing other instruments as and when required. So from the start, Gentle Gentle Giant was a particularly flexible band because of the exceptional musical skills of the members, like we were talking about before. But one Gentle Giant album, right, like I was saying before, total of 46 instruments in the musicians' credits, all were played by the group members. And five of the six members sang, enabling the band to write and perform detailed vocal harmony, which I think is something that, uh, reminds me a lot of the Beatles. They have a lot of kind of that Beatle vocal harmony and, and Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd vocal harmony. But yeah. uh, but the band's approach to songwriting was, uh, I believe, just equally diverse, blending a wide variety of ideas and influences, whether they were considered commercial or otherwise. And that's what sprouted this debut album. Um, so I thought that story was just really cool. They had a band charted in the top 10, hated it, said, screw this. We're going to go do something else that was different put together Gentle Giant, and then created this band. Yeah, no, for sure. Cool little story. I think that kind of reminds me of the whole Rush, the parallel to the Rush story of the 2112, where they got some hits doing just classic, you know, rock, you know, blues rock type of inspired stuff, and then they wanted to expand, and the record label didn't want them to, you know. They didn't want to be put in a box. They just wanted to play the music they wanted to and do something a bit more challenging and something a bit more artistic. And, uh, yeah, it just reminds me of that, that whole spirit of, hey, we're going to make the art that we want to make. Yeah, 
yeah. So I just I wanted to tell that story, and so uh, but moving yeah. moving on from that, yeah. So that's 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 how Gentle Giant was formed. That's where we are now. Um, so let's go into uh, the the music a little bit more. What do you say? Uh, uh, sure. Shoot. Yeah. Why not? I, I mean, whoa. I wouldn't vote to do that, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to do that with the pause. I love this song. This song's called A La Card. And uh, I would have to say this is in my top two on, uh, honestly, top three. There's three three songs out of the seven uh, really stood out to me the most and that, that I just enjoy the most. Um, and I know that you, Drew, you were talking about uh, some of the, or you have a couple of ones that stood out to you as well. But uh, but overall, man, I, I yeah. like. What is your overall opinion of this thing? This entire album? Yeah. Just what what's an overall? It's very opinion? diverse. Very diverse, and I, I see the parallels to King the in the Court of the Crimson King because that's diverse as well, right? Right after this really major in your face song of 21st century schizoid man, Talk to the Wind yeah. comes on, which is very soft. That's obviously in the Court of the Crimson King. And that's just you know, it's a very diverse album. And so is this one. So is Gentle Giant, because this is a bizarre song. This is very quirky, creepy, yet groovy at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And yet also showcases a lot of complexity as well. You know? Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and all of that. But, but then you've got something like Funny Ways and Isn't It Quiet and Cold, where those are kind of very beautiful songs, yet they also have very somber, kind of melancholic lyrics. They're yep. also like oddly beautiful, and then you've got Giant, which is kind of raucous as well, and you know yeah, a little bit more proggy. Yeah, um, it, it and like, yeah, I, I would also say that that this this band is also seems kind of folksy to me in a way. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? Does no, that make dude, any sense? I, no, I understand completely. I was I was thinking that they that they were bringing a little bit of that Genesis feel with them because yeah. Genesis has that kind of folky. I wouldn't say medieval, but they're very English, right? So they have that like yeah, 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 folky yeah. English kind of thing coming out. And I was like, I see some of that in Gentle Giant. Yeah. There some of that I heard. So I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So I heard that too. I would say that that's an element that I heard in this album. Um, you know, this, I still think that this, this was new and daring, even though In the Court of the Crimson King had come out a year before. I can I can definitely hear them pushing the boundaries of conventional rock with a record like this. They're using a lot of different instruments in a pop song. Yeah, uh, not pop song in 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 a in in an album using a lot of popular styles of music like blues and a little bit of jazz and all that stuff. So, um, but it's weird because like why not? There's a song called Why Not on here, which is almost like a pure blues rock song dude i love the, the last half of that. yeah the last half of why not is just pure blues rock it really is yeah and the beginning is even not this typical like uh like singing the blues type blues not that like obvious in your face but it's got a blues rooted uh uh we're trying to say progression progression usually yeah. so it, that that seems like straight rock but then you've got something like this on here freaking alucard right where it, i mean just listen to the vocals in the background right now yeah right? 
right? It's weird vocal effect they put on them. It's very like, eerie, super very, eerie. Yeah, very unsettling, right? And the music behind it builds that as well. The, the stuff they're playing. Yeah. Uh, and you know those low notes that you're hearing right now, boom, 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 boom. You know, just you know, you know, it's it's yeah. creepy and it's awesome. I love. And this is this is where it gets proggy. The instruments follow each other yep. and they reflect. It's a reflection. That's so cool. Yeah, this that is one of this is, is one of my favorites. Prog right there. Yeah. Oh, it is. Doing a couple of riffs and then boom, come into the big. Coming right back in. Yeah. One thing I love about this song too is is um is that sawtooth bass synth. You know that like that really yeah. low yeah. sawtoothy synth. And I yeah. love that. I love that. Like, it, it hit some low notes. Like, there's a low note in that. It's just, like, it's just yeah. cool. Yeah. It's cool. It adds, to the, it adds to that, like, I mean, lyrically, very gothic song, right? A la carte, spelled yeah. backwards, Dracula. I mean, it's it, the, the whole song is fueled by just absolute on innovation, really. I, I, I really would call it that. I really would call it innovation. Like, the vocal line has multiple tracks playing backwards and forwards. Um, I mean, shoot, yes, and Rush both did that. They they both have used that that same effect. Um, right. Later it's, later on, it's funny because they kind of give a feeling of Dracula without like telling a story about it lyrically. Right. Right. Lyrically, right, right. it's basically like it's like the feeling of Dracula, whether like he's behind you or you are him like like you know what it feels like to be dracula to yep. be that character but like there's no story there's no like he did this and then this person did right. that yeah there's no sequence of events at all yeah there's uh, no there's no story kinda cool. it's kind of just a mood yeah it's kind of cool i like that it's just describing describing like what he is uh and what feelings he elicits um right i think so it's uh it's I kind of like that too. I like actually. it. That's yeah. very simple. That is very like simple it. in its in its lyrical output. But yeah, you know. and it has that. Um, I mean, both the saxophone and the organ, at least in Alucard, it has a an extremely compressed sound, which is adding to that kind of that gothic atmosphere of the piece as a whole, which yeah. I think is I think is brilliant. That whole the whole sawtooth and the whole sawtooth bass, and. Um, and 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 as with the first song, Giant, you know, Alucard definitely has that very medieval feel to it, which is something that I think is just a part of their sound as a whole. I think that's just kind of a gentle giant thing, right? Um, I, so I yeah. think another thing that stood out, and maybe why they weren't so popular. This is just a okay. theory. Theory. Um, it's very section driven. You'll go into one part, and then out of nowhere, something that seems almost like a different song comes in the middle. Like a completely different riff. Like you can definitely hear that in funny ways, which I think we've already heard uh, in yeah. the background. But it just out of nowhere, you hear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And like the beginning is like this really soft guitar and it's really light. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. And then out of nowhere, you've got like hard piano. On, on on the lower keys Dude, of the piano. that reminds me of a that reminds me of uh, uh, days of future past that little that yeah. piano thing yeah, like that, that sounds like something and that would be from days of future past 
and similar to that record days of future past it's these different sections it's like an orchestra right yes. like a score to a to a track and then it gets into something that's like you know old style blues rock yeah, pop most you definitely know? and so it's just uh so i don't know um maybe that had something to do with their unpopularity maybe some people were like that's just too jarring like where hmm. are we in the song like what what is going on maybe not yeah um i don't know i mean I, I think king crimson was doing sort of the same thing at the time you know the, the multiple different sections kind of going right all over the place um and and maybe i don't know i mean maybe this is this is arguable but uh king crimson was probably doing it more than gentle giant was in terms of like mm-hmm. mixing it up or something like that i don't know i have no idea <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but that that is a, a a factor or just an element of prog that we've discussed already. That that a lot of songs, yes, yes. whether it's a concept album or a concept song or not, um, have different sections. Yeah, you know, and it, yeah, and, and that, like like marked different sections, and they're yeah. longer songs. And like this, this also has that too. I mean, you know, this has a nine minute track on it. This also has, uh, you know, I think a six minute track on it as well. And for for the time, that was very long, right? Uh, yes, and even yeah. by today's standards, you don't hear too many pop songs that are over three and a half minutes, four minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, especially back then, I feel like pop songs back then were even shorter than they are now. Like when I hear a song on the radio now, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's three and a half, four minutes. That's not bad. I mean, back in the day, you know, especially with rock and roll and blues and pop and all that stuff, early Beatles songs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and even I think even some Frank Sinatra, a lot of those didn't go past three minutes. That's true. Yeah, three minutes was kind of the max. You yeah, know, that's true. Uh, most of most of them though were like two and a half, like two and a half minutes. A couple of verses, the chorus twice, and that's it. Right? Yeah. Um, and maybe a, a guitar solo that lasted like what eight bars, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, and this just jams on it a little bit more. And this this is, you know, showing how progressive rock pushed the boundaries and said, hey, it's okay to have a longer song. Um, yeah. This is, oh, see, this is my favorite on the record. I love yeah, this song. Yeah, moving into kind of this, perhaps the uh, the low point of the album, if it can be called that, you know, um, is uh, this song's called Isn't It Quiet and Cold? Which no, this, I, this is my favorite. This I, is the high mark for me. I love yeah. it. Well, I'm talking like in terms of dynamics. Um, no, 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 Dustin. I like this song. Holy Whoa. crap. Oh. What do you think of the uh, the dynamics of this song, Drew? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I um, think I think this song just sounds like an emulation of the Beatles. Despite the similarity, though, I think Gentle Giant did add their own flavor to it. And it's very pleasant, almost a folk-like tune, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't hear too much Beatles. I can see where you get that maybe a little bit. Um, I hear it in the vocals. Maybe, yeah, maybe from the vo- the vocals. But I love the the fiddle, the violin in this, and oh, yeah. I love, um, I love the mandolin and the the marimba. I think is is what it is, the like xylophone esque sound. Um, oh yeah, I don't know what instrument that is. I, I... It's it's a, it's a, I think it's a. I'm, let me let me let me make sure I'm not butchering the pronunciation of this. Okay, well I'm gonna uh, fill. I'm gonna put words here while yeah, you're looking for that. Yeah, it's the marimba. That. Okay, it's perfect. the marimba. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> um, shut up. Um, um, I love the marimba. I love the uh, the uh, the mandolin and the violin, and you know, there's a guitar I think in the background maybe. 
playing some chords. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah. the brush sticks on the on the on the on the snare are yes. phenomenal too. It just comes together and makes this very the first word that came to my head instantaneously when I heard this song is charming. It's very. just so quaint. Very. It's just charming and quaint. But at the same time, it's like there's uh, there's this tiniest hint of like a haunting like depressing sound hmm. you know like that's what i hear a little bit uh with the music it gives this mood of like yeah it's kind of look at those harmonies dude yes the harmonies they, are great they're fantastic yeah like this this is one of those it what is what is this here's a good question for you what does this song add to this album and what does this song add to what gentle giant is because well, it it's is very, it's very different than than the other songs in the record. I mean, I, I, we can we can agree on that. I think it's hard for me to say what it adds to Gentle Giant as a whole because I don't know if we told people yet or not. But this is our first Gentle Giant record. That this is, is the true. First yeah, this is the first I've ever heard of Gentle it. Giant. So it's hard for me to give a comprehensive answer to sure. a question where it says yeah. to to their history as a whole. In, this in is the first album they did. Yeah, in yeah. 1970, what did this song add to Gentle Giant or this album? This to this album, um, it. It's just so charming and quaint. Um, I love the vocals. I love Phil's vocals on here. I think a bit of simplicity to the record. That's that's what I would add. Yeah. This is this is not something that I'm like, oh, that's super hard to play, per se. Uh, it's not easy either, though. The playing a marimba. I feel like I don't know. Again, maybe these guys it's like everything is easy to them because they can play like every instrument. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a simple song though. It gives this feeling of simplicity and something. Yeah, that you can just enjoy that. That you can enjoy just the simplicity as opposed to something like Giant, where it's kind of bombastic and in your face, and nothing at all has like this kind of raucous like drum section in it. And I'm sure we'll play that later. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, got it coming um, up next. You Actually, know, go ahead and throw it on now. All of that. This one, this one isn't a quiet and cold. Seems like the most straightforward song in this. You know how I just said that this all had like, like marked sections, delineated sections. And yes, every song has that, even in pop music. Like you have a bridge in most songs, right? And that's different from a lot of the other stuff. But it's still in the same key, and it transitions fairly smoothly. This song has a smooth transition into that kind of bridge section. And it's just, it seems like a very straightforward song. And I love that. But I think yeah. what grabbed me most about this was the use of the fiddle being kind of like the main melody maker. Um, yeah. It, and it, it, it definitely proves the, the mandolin. Me, yeah. It proves to me that the, uh, just, they, they can write good parts for multiple instruments. It's not that they could just play them, but they can write good stuff. Yeah. On, on no, each I, one of those, on each one of those instruments, which is, I mean, impressive. It, I like it. It gives a, it gives, like you said, it gives a very diverse sound, right? Because, yeah, you know, you don't really, I, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like you, they can combine all of this, all of these different instruments mm -hmm. into a rock group where at its core, it's still rock. It's still, you know, yeah. Um, so it's just really neat that they did that. And uh, yeah, that, that song too, the lyrics are so depressing. Like I find it very charming. That's the first thing that comes to my head is musically. But you listen to the lyrics, and it's about isolation. It's about losing someone. You know, there's a part yeah. where he says, I used to walk with someone else. And then he says later, you know, I'm all alone or something to that effect. Right. And, um, you know, just with the rhythm of it, the dun, dun, 
didn't, it seems kind of a little upbeat. Not that it's crazy fast, but it's just continuous rhythm. And it makes me think of motion. It makes me think of maybe someone walking down a street on a sunny day or an overcast day, but mm. things are okay. It, it's not slow enough. There aren't any haunting, super melancholic chords that make me think, oh my gosh, someone's like going through some internal turmoil or any, anything like that. It seems, you know, kind of charming, quaint. Oh, this might be a happy song. And then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, this is, this is upsetting. This poor guy. Yeah. This poor person is walking all alone and they used to walk with someone else. They obviously lost someone and they're dealing with it. But um, anyways, yeah. this is this is nothing at all. This this song is called nothing Shoot. at all. Yeah, that's that was good. That was good. Sorry, that's all I had to say about Isn't It Quiet and Cold. No, I appreciate that. I thought that was... Um, it's my favorite. On the I record. like the insight of that. And yeah, and I, I think it's... I think it's a great song. Um I 100% agree with you on the charming aspect of it. I think it's great, and I think it adds a a different element to uh, to the album that uh, is not expected if as listening to a a prog rock album or a prog rock group. Yeah, kind of goes back to that whole folksy feel. Yes, too. very much. So we so we got so to sum up where we're at so far, right? This song's called "Nothing at All," which is uh, both the longest and probably the most progressive song on the album. Um, because this uh, this song reaches the nine minute mark, features a wide dynamic range. But so far we've been we've gotten a hint of blues, uh, maybe a hint of some jam band bluesy kind of stuff. Yeah. We've gotten yeah. uh, we've gotten so far maybe some moody blues sort of things, maybe some King Crimson uh, kind of stuff. We also have some gothic and medieval influences here, and then we also have some folk stuff. So the reason why we're kind of going through each one of the tracks is because they're there's a lot of stuff to digest so far and 37 minutes of music. See, that's, yeah. that's what's so cool is yeah. we got a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in 37 minutes of music and seven songs. So, um, right. it definitely keeps it very fresh, very interesting. And, um, if I haven't said this already, I mean, I, I certainly would recommend if, if you are into, you know, Gothic, music art architecture or you like bluesy jam band stuff uh the jam circuit or you listen to some folky like stuff or you like genesis definitely definitely give gentle giant a shot definitely give this album at least this album a shot um because i think you'd enjoy it but moving on to nothing at all uh like i was saying yeah the song reaches the nine minute mark wide dynamic range drum solo in the middle of it's got a ton of fun um it's weird it's it's weird you got the flanger on the drums yeah but it's really cool that underneath that you've got this piano that's playing like classical music it sounds like a very classical inspired like you know piece that they wrote you know what and then you've got this hard drumming on top of it yes and you know what you know what it reminds me of no uh but you'll probably i'm gonna tell you right now okay Shoot, it reminds me, and this is a, this is an album that we've already already listened to, uh, but it reminds me of Takato by ELP on yeah, Ray Talent okay, Surgery. like that. Okay. It's kind of that same that same tactic of like the 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 flanger on the drums while having like a background interlude of classical piano. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. Um, 
Except I think, well, no, def yeah, never mind. This album definitely became or came before Brain Salad Surgery. Um, yeah, but yeah. This is a uh, this is the weirdest one, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's very experimental. I think it's I okay. I don't know if this will make any sense. I think this might be a very experimental piece. Yeah, but gi Giant is probably the most textbook prog track on here yes that that was something that um didn't stick out to me. giant did not stand out to me and and maybe maybe it's because of my uh, uh i i i what well, i don't know what you would call it just my my knowledge or um acquaintance with progressive rock music but i didn't yeah. hear i didn't hear anything that was like new it was very, as you said, textbook. It, it, it sounded right. very textbook prog. Um, Which I really enjoy. Yes. But I have to agree with you. I, I, I love, I mean, we love prog rock and like the elements in that song. Uh, like a lot of, a lot of prog rock elements are brought up in that song. You know, quick riffs, uh, the, the, the bass is a bit more uh, melodic and does quick riffs along with the guitar. Yeah. And fast, fast notes. Um, all that stuff, but uh, I agree, it just didn't stick out to me that much. Uh, I like the weird time signatures. I thought that was really cool, cool, and the riffs that they had were really cool. Yeah, but it didn't really stick out to me. This sticks out to you. What we're Most listening definitely. to right now, you, you know, you've got this, and then it gets even more interesting when you've got again. You'll hear in a second the the piano underneath. Yeah, it's just bizarre to have that together. Those don't go together. You wouldn't think very well, but with this. It's just intriguing. Yeah, like I want to hear. Like I like enjoy. I, I enjoy hearing this. Yeah, it, it definitely. Um, Even though they don't go together at all. No, no. <laughs> like that was just what was so. Uh, I, I would I wouldn't say refreshing, but it was it was definitely and it was definitely new. Um, it definitely stood out to me more than Giant. I would one hundred percent agree with that. And like the 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 way that I thought about it, and this is just kind of what's going through my mind as I was listening to the song. It's like the very beginning, that 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 guitar riff, that are the guitar arpeggio, like that sounded mm -hmm. like a straight up Steve Hackett riff, to me. Um, <laughs> and then it went into the like when the, when the band comes in and stuff like that. We have th those harmonies, that sounded very early Pink Floyd. Yeah, I was gonna say very Pink Floyd. early Pink Floyd sounded, but then it's these long droning yeah. kind of sad notes on top of each other. Yeah, that whole yeah. thing was like, wow, that was super, yeah. super Pink Floyd. But also, I really enjoyed it. But then this section, like, this sounds like ELP. Yeah, and and with I the hear, with the flanger on the drums, which I think is awesome. I mean, flanger on drums <laughs> sounds sweet. I, I just I just think it sounds sick. Like, flanger on drums are cool. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, just that whole section and coming back into yeah, I just think it's a very unique song. Um, maybe a turn off for some, but those are my thoughts. Uh, on it. I, I like it. I I love the lyrics in this piece as well. I I like the yeah. writing of of their lyrics a fair amount. Again, Giant didn't really do anything for me, but I like yeah. isn't it quiet and cold? And I like this song too. Uh, this is the kind of lyric that I really gravitate towards. That, um. Uh, it says, uh, now she sits by the riverside watching the waters glide by with a sigh. 
And the things she put faith in are ripples just waving her by with a sigh. Ah, this little girl who had everything finds she's nothing at all. That's so cool. Yeah. It's... Here it is. Yeah. I love this right here. I love that. I think that sounds just... It sounds so good. It really does. Like, I mean, I just enjoy it. It just, I mean, no analyzation of the music or whatever. Like, it just sounds good, and I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're allowed to. I'm, in, I'm, I'm allowed you. to do that as somebody who is hosting a prog podcast. You're allowed to do that. Gosh, I just got so, there was like the anger for no reason. Uh, but I love the lyrics in this song. I think, I think they're, they're. They're very hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. I'm um, really glad you like the lyrics, Drew. I'm glad that you're glad. <laughs> if it's not a, like painfully obvious to everyone listening, uh, I woke up early to do this podcast. You woke up early. So, so my, my, my. The early bird energy gets the. Energy. I'm trying to look for a word other than energy and I can't. Uh, cause I don't have the energy to think of anything. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. So I'm just, look guys, I'm just, it happens, right? Holy I mean, you crap. Go to work and then you go to bed, but it's too late. And then your co-host on your, your podcast is like, Hey, let's do it at this time. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the best time we can do it. Holy crap. And to his credit, it was actually my suggestion. Uh, it was his suggestion. It early. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not Destin's fault. Destin, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's not. Your it's fault. not your fault. It's not your fault. You want to just you want to just keep going on this into the you know. Let's do the goodwill, the goodwill hunting. hunting. Let's play the entire goodwill hunting. Okay. Scene. All right. Let's do it. Here we go. Audio right. Now. Oh, the oh, audio. Shoot. I was thinking we would just do it. No, I can't remember all of it, and I need to remember all, all of it to do it right. That's a fantastic scene. It is a fantastic scene. Who's going to cry? Butcher Am that I scene? Matt Damon? No, uh, well, I did say it's not your fault. So yeah, you would be Matt Damon. I would be Matt I, Damon. Be, okay. Oh, but then I'd have to be Robin Williams, and I—that's too much responsibility to play such an amazing role. That's true. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. We love you. Yeah. Um, anyway, wow. Um, back to way off track. Back there. to Gentle Giant. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. It's it's okay. Uh, so I think we covered a good bit of Alucard. Yeah, we talked uh, about Alucard. Did we cover? Did we? Did we cover funny ways? We didn't talk a whole lot about funny ways. I mean, we, we played it, but uh, I just, I mentioned that it's, it's a very dynamic. Um, it's very quiet song. I, I, I compare it to, I talked to the wind by King Crimson and we talked about the moody blues middle section. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the just right, the contrasting right. change from the first song giant to funny ways, like having that very textbook prog going into this very, um, uh, strings intro and kind of uh um yeah yeah i don't know how i don't know how you would describe that section really but uh but yeah we didn't talk a whole lot about it but um we can yeah i think i think with this again just to reiterate this it's just such a diverse album with how many different instruments they bring in and because of that because there are some instruments that are typically associated with a lot of different types of of music yeah, uh, it it feels like it incorporates a lot of different styles of music in this as well, and that's that was a big thing in progressive rock, was um, you know, and classical too. I think that's the big thing is that um, it was they had some Mellotron in there, 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, which was a popular prog instrument. They had, um, but then they also like, you know, like we said, they had like a marimba, they had a mandolin, they had a violin, they had a cello, they had trumpets, yep. they had so Saxophone, many different things going organ. on along with, along with the typical, you know, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, bass, drums, keys, you know, vocals, all that. They had so much to incorporate in this album. And, um, you know, I know King Crimson did that too, but I can understand why some people might say that they're, they're underrated because I feel like they were under or, or overlooked under, underappreciated like, possibly underappreciated I, I meant to say overlooked that they're overlooked uh, gotcha. a bunch because um yeah there's there's a lot of stuff to appreciate about a record like this in here and I, I think King Crimson may have kind of beat them to it but I don't think that they were copycats uh mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier they had a more medieval sound and they I feel like they even incorporated a little bit more. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't hear a marimba in, in the court of the crimson King. No. Yeah. Um, I don't hear a cello. You don't hear, there. isn't it quiet and cold on in the court of the crimson? King? No, I don't. Sure. And, and I like that song. Okay. Whoa. Um, I mean, I was in support of what you were saying. <laughs> Gosh. Um, you know, something, yeah, that, something that just came to my mind, I was, I was thinking here is that, um, you know, when, when I think of the, when I think of like members of a band, I think of, you know, this person is the guitar player, you know, David right. Gilmore is the guitar player for Pink Floyd, you know, Alex right. Lifeson's the guitar player for Rush, Roger Waters is the bass player and singer for Pink Floyd. Like I, I think of the names associated to their talent, finesse, and mastery of their instrument. Right. And, right, right. and something that I don't think about when I listen to this is that, oh yeah, that, you know, the, the sax, like you don't, it's not, it's really, I don't know how to describe It's not individually separated from the musician. Stand, it's like, oh, there goes well, Derek. They could all trade out. Right. Exactly. They could all trade exactly. out. Exactly. It's like, okay, there goes Derek on this, this thing. And, yeah. yeah, there goes. Uh, oh, yeah, Phil is going to be doing. That's that's Phil's guitar solo. Everybody know it's Phil, right? Yeah, Phil's doing. Phil's doing his thing. He's he's playing his guitar solo, and everybody's like, "Oh, yes, Phil, you're such a great guitar player. Get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Good for you. Great job." It's like there, none of that is happening because you can't really tell who is playing the instrument. You just know it's these guys. Yeah, it's very textural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very textural. Uh, writing style rather than just here's your part here's your part here's my part let's mesh our instruments together it seems like they're coming from a standpoint of let's like a composition it seems like what do you want to play today this is the song right. These are the it's instruments like, i want do you want to take like when we're in the studio do you want to play this instrument or this one and it's just so funny because it's like yeah i can play yeah. any of those i can play but think about think about that like as as a multi-instrumentalist right you're sitting there and you're listening to the music or you're listening to an idea your job because most of it's and i can't relate to this because i'm just a drummer and i can screw around on keyboards sometimes hey hey but like hey, when i'm a drummer on yourself you're not just a drummer okay so okay well more. thanks well, thanks i appreciate that anyway so if they were <laughs> it, coming at it from just a perspective of one instrument right it's like your focus is on that instrument. Your focus is, is basically making the drums, or my focus, making the drums sound as best as they can to the music. But that's not the way that these guys approach it. They can't because they have multiple instruments they have to fulfill. So it's more about the texture of, would this sound better here? 
Or would this sound better here? Should I play it this way or should I play it this way? And then on top of that, it's like, should Phil play it or should Derek play it? Maybe Derek plays differently than Phil. Right. You know, they probably do. I think also, though, as you expand as a band or evolve as a band, you get more into the mentality that you were just talking about where it's like, you know, even Rush, they were like, hey, let's hire a choir to do this. Let's hire this, this and this. But that wasn't you know, until later on in their career, right? To begin yep. with, they were just blues rock or something like that. And a lot of bands were limited by what they could play. And then later on, they're like, well, we can hire some other people to be guest musicians to do that, or we can pick it up later or whatever. But the fact that this was Gentle Giant's first record, it was their first Yeah, record. that's true. It's true. And they, like you said, Dustin, they thought in those terms, they thought in these terms of, well, we're not, we don't really have very many limitations. We can play a wide variety of instruments. So mm -hmm. already right out of the, 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 out of the gate, we can just come at it with this standpoint of, I mean, yeah, they, they had, you know, musical careers before this, but from this band with this group and with that identity, with this name, they, right out of the right out of the, the gate we're able to think in those terms of we're not really limited so yeah what would go best here and there doesn't have to be a guitar solo here there can be uh you know a mandolin instead or there can yes. be uh, a marimba why because we can do that because we can and do it that. fits better and it would be cool. you know it sounds yeah. better it fits the mood or whatever they're trying to express right. and so right i think that's um, that's something I can't relate with as a musician, but thinking about that idea and thinking about that approach to, you know, the writing style is, is interesting and really, really cool. I actually have a quote here from Derek on gentle giants writing approach. So he, he says, quote, it was like this big funnel. Really? We all had these varied influences, whether it to be pop, classical rock, jazz, or whatever. And we just came together and created what we did. A lot of bands who were doing prog rock back then were just doing long songs that in many cases were just filler, but we never tried to impress anyone with our talents. Maybe we were just trying to impress each other. What to us just seemed like some clever songs really touched a lot of people, it seems, which never fails to amaze me. That's awesome. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. Well, I'm glad you do. Um, I think it's pretty cool, I'm, too. I'm, I'm glad you liked I'm glad that you like Isn't It Quiet and Cold. It's a good song, man. Don't dog on Isn't It Quiet and Cold. I'm not dogging on it. I like the song. I think it's a great song. <laughs> so we have so there's two songs left. We're running out of time here, but there, there's two songs left on the album, one of which we're gonna play for the end, which was Why Not, which um, I mean, if, if nothing at all is the most progressive song, why not's the hardest rocker for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um yeah. and uh, I I personally think it features the strongest vocal uh I guess talent or, or whatever, whatever uh, you would want to call it, but the, just the strongest vocals, I, I believe, is on "Why Not" by Derek Shulman, and uh, and then the showcase of Gary Green's diverse talent on the on the guitar, um, you know, coming from that soft acoustic on "Isn't Quiet and Cold" and and just grinding some chords on an electric and and "Why Not." Um, I think that dichotomy is pretty cool, but the yeah. the tone of the song, pretty rhythm and blues. The jam at the end just makes you want to crank that volume up, dude. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a uh, technically the ending of the album, but there is one more song being The Queen. 
which is just more fun than for any other reason. I think as as the the name implies, it it's it's an it's their own arrangement of just God save the queen. Yeah, uh, even though the track is under two minutes, I mean they managed to throw in some you know medieval psychedelic jazz aspects into it. And I, no, I, yeah, it reminds me. Yeah, yeah, they have like that jam at the end. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they crank up the electricity there to make it more raucous rather than majestic. And uh, it reminds me of when Jimi Hendrix played the national anthem. I believe that was at Woodstock. And, you know, <laughs> he played like a 13 minute version of that because he just kept, no, of course, wailing and wailing on the scale over and over. So it kind of reminds me of that. I mean, obviously, it's not 13 minutes, but you know yeah. they're jamming and they're building it up by pausing for a second and then the drums come in super loud and all that and so yeah um, whether whether the band fun. did it to uh, whether the band did it as as or did the song as a as a poke against the monarchy or a, a tribute to the monarchy or neither really it just it shows that band has some personality you know they're they're just goofing around playing around with it and yeah um uh, which is which is fine. I mean, that's 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 cool. I mean, they yeah. can do that. Yeah. No. I mean, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Gosh. Well, any last final conclusions on the record um, for you, Drew? At, at any any recommendations to anybody who might? Be no, I, I I think this is definitely worth a listen for sure. I mean, I'm obviously biased because I want everyone to check it out, even if we don't like the music, and just see what they think of it. But this this album has a lot to offer. I wouldn't put this in my top ten. But uh, really enjoyable to listen to the more I, I listen to it. Um, yes, it definitely took me. It took me about four listens. I'll tell everybody know. that. It took me about four listens to it, get it because, because like you said at the very beginning of the show, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that it, and that's uh, actually a title of one of their later records. I think the next record actually is, is called An Acquired Taste. It's and Yeah, so, Acquiring um, the Taste, yeah acquiring the taste excuse me but uh yeah so i i think it's um it, it it'll take you a bit but a- after you know if if you know you get past maybe two listens three listens and and you, you, i mean i think you'll start enjoying it there's I, a lot of i did there's a lot of different elements on here and yeah especially I can't tell the what time. the hardest part i can't tell why it took me so long to get used to it that's one thing that i'm still sort of confused by is like why what took me, I don't know, maybe it was the uh, the initial vocals. I don't know. I really don't think Giant did a great job <laughs> opening the, the band. Like, I've never heard the band before. This is the first album I heard. And obviously, I'm starting at the first song on the first record. And I listen to Giant. I'm listening to it, and I just wasn't impressed at the very beginning. And I still am am sort of like, ah, it's textbook prog. Not a fan of, not a big fan of the vocals. But the rest of the songs, after I got past that point, and I was like, ah, I'll just look past that song. I was a little disappointed at first when I first heard that when I fir- when I heard the first song. But after I got past that, and I started listening yeah. to the other songs two, three times. I got I got pretty used to it and and started enjoying them more. I think I think it was the vocals on Giant for me that just didn't do it. Yep, I they, agree. They that that's probably the main thing. Everything else, I think I was kind of like, oh, this is really cool. I'm into this. Uh, but uh, uh, on that, real real quick, I don't know about you, yeah. but it reminded me of the vocals of Telltale Heart on Tales of Mystery and Imagination um, when we were 
reviewing the Alan Parsons Project album. Um, Tales of Mystery and Imagination. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, you should have seen him walking around. Da, 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 da. It reminds me of the birth of Lana Layla. The tone oh, and the timbre okay. of the voice is very similar to me. Yeah, I can see that. You should listen to them back to back, Destin. And tell me, yeah. tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. I'll go. I'll do that. You'll text me later. We probably won't mention it again on this show, but I want to know from you. Oh, Holy shoot. Cow. That's unreal. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, uh, any other last thoughts before we wrap up here? No, Destin. Um, no. Okay. Well, that's your prerogative. I mean, we had a friendship. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. All right. Well, guys, guys, thank you. We would both like to thank you for, for listening to the podcast. These are our prog notes on Gentle Giant's debut album. If you enjoyed the episode or learned something new from the episode, if you could please subscribe and share, that would be awesome. You can also follow us on Instagram at prog underscore notes. You can also email us at prognotespodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all feedback and or comments. Also, leave us a review if you liked or disliked the show. And Drew, what is the next episode's album we'll be listening to? Uh, I will tell that after I tell how we came about this particular band because I wanted to give a shout out. Earlier, I, I thanked the fans and everything uh, for emailing us. I want to give a specific yes. shout out uh, to, uh, to, forgive me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong, but Ian Ostel. Um, he uh, he reached out to us and he liked it. And he actually has his own uh, radio little radio program where he plays his own uh selection of prog music called the prognosis k-n-o-w uh prognosis uh at a college he's he's a he's a college student i believe uh and he he has his own prog show there that's really cool called the prognosis um yeah and that was uh he he gave us a suggestion for the next one but i just wanted to uh Give a shout out to him and say thank you so much for emailing us and letting us know your thoughts. We really, really yes, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, but he gave us the idea because I I'd heard the name of this band like in passing, like maybe two or three times, but not very much at all. And so I'm very interested. This was a uh I think a band that was in the pioneer era as well in the 70s, and they kind of broke mm -hmm. up, then got back together, then broke up, then got back together type of deal. Uh, Van der Graaff generator. Yeah. 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 The Germans. Yeah. Cause oh, Van der Graaff. De Graaff. Um, I like that. You're doing pretty good at that. You're pretty good at that. No, I'm not. I have a horrible German accent. Um, Van der Graaff okay, generator fine. is the name of the band. The album we will be reviewing by them is called Pawn Hearts. So, uh, Pawn Hearts by Van der Graaff generator. That's next week's episode. That's awesome. All righty. Well, join us next time as we discover past, present, and future of prog rock. We're going to end the episode, like I said, with Why Not, The Rocker. You ready to jam out with this just awesome bluesy rock song. So we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.